This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Andrew Muscoff here and it's time for our match preview. Of course, it is a mid-week one this time around. I'm joined as usual by John Gibson and there's plenty to discuss, John, as per usual with Newcastle United. There's that Man City game which was absolutely crack as of course the opponents on Wednesday evening are Sheffield United and that's where we'll start before we look back on that game against City it is the fact that fans will be returning to St James's Park on Wednesday evening for that game against Sheffield United Um, unfortunately I'll not be there because we've only allowed one member of the press from the Chronicle into the press room but it's just going to be great to see even though it's 10,000 fans John not the 52 that we're used to it's just going to be great to see that number back into the, into the terraces, singing, chanting, no doubt maybe a few might be booing when decisions go against Newcastle. But just in general, to have that authentic feeling of supporters back inside St. James's Park, I'm excited. How are you feeling about it? Oh, exactly the same way. We've missed uh, fans in the ground uh, terribly. And all this sort of official noise that you get on the television to make it sound as if people are there, etc. Nothing like the same. Um, I mean, it's not going to be a silent night uh, tomorrow night, and we've had far too many of uh, those silent nights. To have 10,000 back in, yes, we want it to be uh, 50,000 next season, please. But uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful and long overdue step forward. We've had a horrendously unique season with uh, COVID-19. One we wouldn't want repeated under any circumstances. Uh, Yeah, there's only 10,000, but it makes a massive difference. I mean, I I watched the... uh, FA Cup final at the weekend and just having the passion of fans. And as you rightly say, I mean, the wonderful thing, which you you never get with this canned applause, is that when a decision goes against the home team, you forget you've got the the crowd booing like heck because of free kicks being given against us that's debatable or anything. That's part of the fun. That's part of the atmosphere. That came in the Cup final. And... and and that will come at St James's Park tonight, and perhaps a, a little bit the other way round with Fulham on Sunday. Uh, we've waited for tonight. It's wonderful that we've got it. Well done to those fans that are inside, and uh, may we please have fifty thousand next season, uh, because that is what football's about. Football basically is the entertainment business. The same as the Theatre Royal is, the same as uh, anything like that is concerned. Take away the fans and you take away the whole point of playing football in the first place. So um, it will be wonderful and it will be a relief and it will be just a little taster, 10,000 instead of 52,000. 
uh, what we hope later this year will be uh, St. James's Park back to normal. After almost 130 years to have had the ground absolutely silent for a full season is just eerie. And um, tonight, well, tomorrow night, it was Sheffield United's visit, the last home game of the season. It's going to be extra special for that reason. The fixture itself is not a great fixture. Newcastle v Sheffield United, one's down and the other almost went down. But it's a great fixture for the fan. It's the great fixture because it's got fans. Wonderful moment. Definitely. And the referee, Robert Jones, this is his first season in the Premier League. So... Um, he's going to be experiencing a Premier League game at St James's Park for the first time. So let's see how he gets on. Um, Steve Bruce was asked about fans returning in his press conference this morning. And this is what he had to say. He was asked if he had any anxiety about fans returning, given you know um, there was a lot to talk about how fans would have reacted on this horrible run of form uh, he found Newcastle on at the turn of the year. And he replied to the press saying, no, not at all. I'm delighted. Whatever type of reception I get, I'm delighted. It's been a bloody long time since we've had uh, support, as in let them come in, go to the pub and have a few beers and support their team. So maybe he's expecting um, maybe a few boos here and then. But, you know, they've been on a great uh, run of form of late. So I'm hoping that actually, you know, it, it'll be a pleasant night and Newcastle can can get the win for them as well because the last thing you want is to make your first trip to St James's Park in over a year and to see them get beat, to see them Sheffield United, one of the worst teams we've seen in the Premier League of late, you know, this season, um, do the double over Newcastle. I mean, that's just unthinkable, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely so. Um, I mean, Steve Bruce has taken the party line all season. Yes, we need the fans back in. We need the fans back in. And there's absolutely no question we do. But what is wonderful for Steve Bruce and what is a massive, massive relief for Steve Bruce is that it's come, as you said, with an upsurge, not just about results, because if you go back to the home games, the game against Arsenal was absolutely abysmal uh, here. And by Jove, Steve Bruce was lucky there wasn't a full house in against Arsenal because his ears would have been burning. But we have been significantly different. The last two games uh, against Leicester um, and against Manchester City Two quality sides, we've scored seven goals. The break has been taken off. We've, the players that have been lambasted and lapooned for their performances all season have looked completely different with the break off. And there, there is that little change, but significant change in the Newcastle attitude towards playing football, which will be reflected in this game. Um, it has come at possibly the right time for Steve Bruce because any earlier in the season, it would have been very, very different. And I do feel that certainly at the start of the game, there's only 10,000, there's not 50,000. The ones that have gone, I've got a feeling, will be the more passionate but unbiased fans who are not going to stage any sort of... Uh, demonstration and certainly right at the start of the game the way they played at Leicester and uh, 
the way they played in defeated Man City, not lying down, but actually trading punches with City, which was such a wonderful thing to see. I think the the, the 10,000 will be completely behind Newcastle, and it would take a very sterile display for them to turn and before the end of the game. It would take a display that was as bad as it was at Bramall Lane when we lost 1-0 and for fans to react and have a pop at, um, uh, at Steve Bruce. Because, you know, I think that a lot of fans who were anti-Steve Bruce, and there are a lot, and it's understandable why they're that way, a lot of them will not be there because Newcastle, when they put out that they were going to have a lucky dip, if you like, for the 10,000 fans who would be left in, they honestly thought there would be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of unhappy fans without tickets. In fact... Uh, they had to go to the public and give the, put them out to the public to be able to get the 10,000. Now, you can argue that some people will not be there because they will be concerned about um, social distancing and all that sort of thing, but there are an awful lot of fans that, that uh, have not taken up their tickets because they, re- they know the sort of season Newcastle have had and they're making a defiant stand to say enough, enough. And this isn't a health warning, the fact that they struggled to get 10,000 uh, tonight. This is a warning to Mike Ashley, which says, if you try to produce the same next season as you've produced this season, then the full wrath of, of Geordie Land will be upon you. Um, we want to forget about that this, the, the, in this particular match and enjoy the crowds back in. But there is a significant warning that if it's the same next season, the same owner, and the same manager, and the same rubbish, it will not be tolerated. Thank you for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We just urge you guys to please subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you use totally free to do just means every time we upload a new episode to our channel you'll get a notification saying we've done just that and you can listen to it straight away and if you get the chance to leave us a review as well that would be much appreciated that really does help us out you can also follow chronicle lives new cash night channels over on social media we're at chronicle nufc on twitter facebook and instagram and you can email us here at the show with your feedback, your comments, your questions, whatever. Just drop us a line at the EIBW podcast at reachplc.com. And you can also stick a date with everything to do with the club by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletter. That's also free. And you'll get a morning news roundup, an evening news roundup, and a breaking news alert as well. And that'll get emailed directly to your inbox. The link for that is in the show notes. Hit that, scroll down to sport Newcastle United tick the box and you'll all be signed up once again thank you for listening and we'll now get back to the show however if it's the same as it was against manchester city it just might be and that's where we'll move on to now we'll come back to matters on the pitch against sheffield united we'll also hear a clip from the sheffield united caretaker boss i think is his current title is paul heckenbottom about newcastle later on in the show but john let's talk about man city because again in last week's preview it's fair to say we were both fearing what Man City would do in Newcastle. We were hoping they had a bit of a hangover. Pep Guardiola talked about plenty of booze and pizza. We've seen him on 
social media this week, clips of him singing Oasis in celebration. So he definitely had a good time with the rest of his team. And yet Newcastle, you know, turns up and they they, they wanted to spoil the party. They did a lovely guard of honour for them as they came on the pitch, but it wasn't, they didn't get, you know, run over like many people maybe expected them to. I was shocked. I was entertained and it, it was just, for me, it was what Newcastle United fans, what I as a fan want to see. I don't want to be talking about the game afterwards and saying, oh, thank goodness for Dubravka, he kept the score down, it should have been five or six. I want to be talking about how Newcastle were unlucky maybe not to get a point against the best team in England and one of the best teams in Europe. I mean, unlucky maybe not even to get to get the win had Shelby's uh, free kick went in. Yeah, um I, I what when we did the podcast last week, what what I sort of demanded was that we played with and kept pride intact. The players kept their own pride and they retained our pride on our behalf by not lying down and having their tummy tickled. And uh, that's exactly what we got in for that. I mean, we knew they were capable of that because they they'd done it at Leicester. It was what was the attitude going to be like um, in the dressing room, what approach was going to be taken to the match, and it was actually taken uh, the correct way. Now, we're not fools, those Jordies. We know that the the edge was taken off the game for Man City because they were already... uh, confirmed as champions and that was reflected to a certain extent in their team selection but they've got so many good players that we knew whatever team uh, was put out would be chock block of players that were capable of hurting you and what I I did think happened on the on the day and naturally of course that so much of the ball comes compared to us but what was wonderful from our point of view was that on the the rare occasions we did turn over play we attacked directly at them at pace and with enthusiasm and without fear that that worried them and why it worried them is because without blaming him at all they had a third choice goalkeeper who was 35 and last played in the um, Premier League 10 years ago, ironically against Newcastle, that a 35-year-old third-choice keeper in, in Addy, the Aki, the played centre-half, was absolutely horrendous on the day. He had a reputation at Bournemouth as a, as a decent player, but he made mistake upon mistake upon mistake. Um, but, you know, it, it was so refreshing, and it reminded me so much, Andrew, of the, the fourth three in 1968 when, when Manchester City won the title up here, um, because that was exactly the same scoreline, 4-3, but we actually made a better fist of it this time, because in that 4-3 against uh, Colin Bell and Fanny Lee and uh, uh, Mike Summerby and uh, such a good team, but we never, we never led we were twice level, but we never led. Here, we led 1-0 and 3-2. Um, and it was a game of surprises from our point of view. Um, 
there was surprise, nice surprises, but surprises for us, Andrew, because first of all, we had Croft scoring his first ever goal uh, for the club, a man who was taking an awful lot of stick, most of it deserved, although he never never hides, but uh, he, he's limited defensive-wise, scored a great-headed goal. Joe Linton taking a penalty was a surprise to start with, and the way he put it away was an equal surprise. It was a wonderful finish, uh, putting his laces through the ball and absolutely cracking it home. I only wish that he shot like that more often, and perhaps now he will. Instead what of did you make, timid, John, of him not taking the second penalty? Because, you know, Steve Bruce kind of he kind of contradicted himself, Steve Bruce. He said, if, if a player's not confident, then, you know, I don't want him yeah. taking the penalty. But at the same time, he kind of said, I wish he had taken it. And it, and what did you make of it? Because you know for a fact, you know, had Alan Shearer scored that first penalty, there was no way, well, he never gave the penalties oh. up anyway. But do you know what I mean? Like, well, what, that, what do you make of it? Happened, that happened with Alan Shearer and Bobby Robson's first match at St. James's Park when they played uh, Sheffield Red and uh, won by eight goals and Shearer got five. Uh, later on, Newcastle got a penalty. Robinson, the young centre-forward, asked Alan Shearer if he could take it, and Alan Shearer told him where he could go to, and it was a very warm place down below um, because that's what goal-scoring centre-forwards do. I was surprised in some ways that Joe Linton took the first penalty instead of Ritchie, but the way he took it uh, was marvellous and, and good for him. Um you sort of suspected that he would want to take the second one. You do wonder if he if his bottle goes a little bit because he thinks, where do I put it this time? Because I wasn't expecting two penalties in one game. But I, I prefer to think that, that the minute uh, Willock was brought down, he thought, well, Joe Linton was brought down for the first one and took it. I'm brought down for this one. I want to take it because... He wanted to make it five goals out of his last five games, six for the season. And I wasn't surprised, whatever the, the decision was, and as you say, Steve Bruce contradicted himself, so we're not quite certain. I've got an awful feeling that Joe Willick privately was saying to himself, nobody's going to take this by me because I want to keep my goal-scoring record going as a midfielder to get five in his last five games and six for the season. And he's only been here half a season. Is phenomenal, and the best way of keeping that going is if you win a penalty, you take it, even if you've got to play it off the keeper and stick the rebound in. So it's not even a penalty; it looks even better, doesn't it, on the record book? But I, yes, I was a a little bit surprised, but uh, all's well that ends well, and um, Willock set his record. And there was the three surprises for me that Kraft scores his first goal, that Joe Linton actually takes a penalty and takes it so beautiful, and then that Willock makes it five goals in his last five Premier League appearances, which is a phenomenal record for a striker. But for a midfield player, it's quite incredible, especially playing in the sort of side Newcastle is. So um, there was a lot of nice, nice surprises there. Bottom line, people will say, well, the result we were expecting happened, i.e. Manchester City uh, won. But I, yes, I was expecting that, but I was wanting Newcastle to make a, a fight of it and to keep their dignity. And my job, they did that brilliantly well. They were, they were excellent and uh, 
the attitude was spot on, uh, as it had been spot on against Leicester. And, of course, what we're going to be faced with now with Sheffield United coming to town is a very, very different game to what we were faced with with Leicester and Man City because they were two very, very good sides who were more than willing to come onto a side and attack and dictate the pace of the game and the way the game's going to be played. Sheffield United and Fulham, for that matter, on Sunday will not do that. They will come here and the onus will be on us to set the tempo of the game. Is it quick or is it slow, 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 pass sideways, etc.? There'll be much more onus on Newcastle against Sheffield United to decide the way the game is played than uh, there was in the last two games. And Newcastle aren't often at the best when the onus is on them they're best when they're counter-attacking a team coming onto them with pace and power. Uh, they might have the ball a little bit too much for their liking against Sheffield United, but they've got to have enough about them and they've got to have enough confidence to take out this Sheffield United side because it is one of the worst teams we have seen in the Premier League in a long time not just the worst this season. They've set a, an amazing number of records, uh, all of which are negative, for the biggest one of defeats at the start of the season, the earliest team that's been relegated, their waveform when they beat Everton was the first time they kept a clean sheet in about 22 away games. The record, they've scored 19 goals all season uh, and the lowest ever in the... Um, Premier League's 20 by Derby County. Their records just stack up, stack up, stack up all against them. And um, there's no excuses tonight and no hiding place. Um, so that's a little bit more pressure. There, were, there, there was a, an excuse if we lost to Leicester. There was an excuse when we lost to Man City. There's no excuse if we lose again to Sheffield United because they are a very, very poor side. Forget about them uh, getting the result at Everton. Um, the inevitable happens every now and again, but their form all season has been shocking. And that is why this game and Fulham does give Newcastle an opportunity to end an awful season on a high. Almost certainly. I think the situation at Sheffield United is a bit strange because you've got Paul Heckenbottom in charge, but he doesn't necessarily seem to be in the running for the job come, you know, the, no. the next season. And it's a strange one because he's, I just don't know. It, how can you, surely you'd want to get your manager in before the season ends so you can look around and, and see, get the feeling for who you want to keep, who you, who you want to let go, because it's all good doing it during, during pre-season, but it's not the same feel as in competitive games. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. In fact, what we'll do now, John, we'll just hear a quick clip from Heckenbottom's press conference where he was asked about the turnaround Steve Bruce has done at Newcastle United. Yeah, it's like anything. I think he said at the time, and they got the good players back in terms of their attacking threat. Joel Linton, Almiron, um, St. Maximum, and, and Callum Wilson, I know might, might have picked up an injury again, but no coincidence getting all their attacking players back in the team. Gave him the threat, started scoring goals and winning games, picking up points. So sometimes it is just as simple as that. 
Um, and, and I know Steve probably was chomping at the bit to get them all back fit and, and just put his strongest possible team out there, knowing that they would be good enough and pick up points. And, we, and we've all seen that now. So there you go, John. It's kind of what we've both been saying, actually, over the last kind of um, couple of weeks, couple of months. In fact, and, and Paul Bottom's right, Steve Bruce has been banging that drum about the impact the likes of Wilson, St. Maximum, Almiron will all have when they return to the Newcastle United side. They have returned, Newcastle are safe, and you know Steve Bruce in many ways has been proved right. My question on that, John, though, is that you're going to get injuries, you know, and I actually think the injury to Callum Wilson is going to, it's going to end up forcing the hand of the owners in the, in the summer, you know, Mike Ashley to actually spend a bit of money in the summer and, and, and bring in a striker who can push Callum Wilson for his spot on the team because we've seen what happens when Callum Wilson isn't there. There isn't a goal threat. I know I sound daft saying that given <laughs> Newcastle scored a few goals against Man City. But, um, I mean, look... Yeah, what did you make of, of, of Heckenbottom's comments there on, on Bruce? They're, they're the typical comments of somebody looking at a situation from afar and not being able to um, necessarily grasp what's happening and also taking the party line that has been uh, repeated time and again by the manager himself. I don't think it's as simple as that and it's been a great excuse to uh, hide behind or... You know, when I, I haven't had my top players, and that's why we struggled this season. But when I have my top players, we don't struggle because we're a good side. Well, actually, I when he was first chuntering on about that, I just quickly went through the record book of Newcastle this season. And there's 11 defeats um, when Callum Wilson, who's out at the moment, has played in all of those 11 games. In four of those games, both Wilson and San Maximum played. And we lost to, to Brighton at home with them both playing. We lost at Southampton with them both playing. Uh, we, we've lost time and time again with Callum Wilson in the side. And what... Um, and and what uh, Higginbotham has not taken into consideration is that when we lost 1-0 at Sheffield United and were absolutely abysmal, Callum Wilson played centre-forward in that game. So it isn't just a matter of we're a super side when the two guys are in up top and we're not a super side when they're not. Yes, they make a difference because they're quality players. But anybody that's a striker, as those two are, need to have the ammunition fed to them or they're rendered useless. I go way back to the 74 Cup final at Wembley when Newcastle played Liverpool and we had two strikers that that season had been magnificent for us in Supermac and John Tudor, but we never got the ball to them in the Cup final. They stood like two planks in a forest up at the top, never got the ball and, and they never got a kick and we didn't score a goal. Um, it is all about approach and the reason why Newcastle have been a lot better recently is that the handbrake has been taken off tactically. We There's been support from midfield for, for Wilson and some maximum before Wilson went out injured, with Willock arriving late in the box with support. There's been quick and direct attacks 
set up by San Maximum and by Almerin and by Willock, all of whom are very, very quick against Man City. And it happened down at uh, Leicester. And it's been the approach that's different. It's been a team without a handbrake that's different. And a lot of people look and wonder how much Graham Jones' influence is being seen in that as much as it is Steve Bruce, because Jones was brought in uh, halfway through the season, which... um, if it was the appointment of Steve Bruce, which is what he's told us it is, uh, was a little bit of a condemnation on the two Steves who's been part of his backroom team for years, uh, Agnew and Clemens, because then it was Bruce saying this isn't going well, so we need a new thought of a new coach and brought Jones in. Or was it done over his head? But certainly Jones produced an initial impact at um, Everton, if you remember. Uh, And then he has always been a front foot coach, whereas Steve is very much a defensive coach. And that has been reflected recently. And it has been shown in the fact that we've scored seven goals in our last two games. I don't think, and, and we did that, we scored three, of course, uh, without Wilson um, against Man City. I think the change that has made the significant difference is the change in tactics uh, that we've seen rather than having my two best players back. And as you say, in any case, you cannot go down the road if, you know, I'm all right if I can field my first 11 all season because you know darn well you're not going to be able to field your first 11 all season because of injuries. It's a squad game, not a team game, and um, therefore the excuse just doesn't hold water. We are where we are in the league because of the way we've played, the tactics we've employed, etc., etc. And... What we've got to do this summer is produce not only a different attitude for next season, but a new personnel as well. And one of the biggest things is what you've touched on. We have got to get a striker through the door. Because when we haven't got Wilson, and we may well not have Willock either next season because he's only on loan at the moment, we have not got, whether it's Joe Linton, whether it's Gale, whether it's Carroll, who won't be here, um, we haven't, whether it's Fraser, whoever it is, we haven't got a regular goal scorer outside of Callum Wilson. Um, and until we get that, we will always be fighting at the wrong end of the table. Interestingly, uh, Paul Dummer could make his 200th Newcastle United appearance at St James's Park when... Uh, Sheffield United pop up on Wednesday evening. John, you talk about the summer there. He's one man who could leave for free in the summer. I guess you're in the camp of the majority of Newcastle United supporters. You've, you've just got to get him signed up for at least another year, haven't you? You know, he's he's come on leaps and bounds over the the last three or four years. I've been really impressed this season as well since he's returned in at that starting eleven. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to look at your central defenders and um, you know, hang on to Shaw and hang on to Clark, etc., etc. Dummy who can play left back or left side of a, of a three, who uh, was a heart the size of a frying pan. He is possibly the best defender in the club, 
out-and-out defence. Uh, I'm not talking about all-round play, but, you know, he he enjoys defending, full point. Uh, that was one of his accusations when he's playing left-back. How good is he getting forward? But defensively, he's very strong. He's a local lad. He's been brought up in the club. He knows what Newcastle United's all about and what the fans are all about. And of course, he deserves he deserves to stay. He is um, Mr. Reliable in lots of ways. He often smiles and says, you know, he's got the nickname 7 out of 10, and he probably has. Uh, but that's consistent for Newcastle because far too often we have players who are 3 and 4 out of 10. Uh, on occasions, and he is much more steady away, and um, I think he, I think he deserves to stay, and I, I'm, I'm certain, I'm pretty certain that he will stay, and he wants to stay, and the club can't afford to let him go. That would be an absolute nonsense. Any changes for you in that starting eleven, or would you just keep the same side that faced Man City? Uh, I think I probably would because it was the same side that faced Leicester outside of Joe Linton for um, for Callum Wilson, and we all knew Joe Linton would come into that side, and um, he, he, he scored a, a, a good penalty. He did a, a job on the day. His goal-scoring record for somebody that plays up top is still absolutely horrendous. I think it's one and it. One in his Premier League goal scoring record is one in every eleven games, and uh, you know which is absolutely horrendous. I'm just hoping that having put his laces through the ball with the penalty, because so often he seems to try to pass the ball into the goal when he's got. Oh, he doesn't have a shot. He takes an extra touch, an extra touch, and then he gets depossessed. Or he passes the ball as a shot. But he, he put his laces through it on the penalty and almost ripped the back of the of the net off. And that's the way to finish. Shearer finished 99 times out of 100 with power. And if, if Joe Linton does more of that, perhaps he'll have a little bit more success in front of goal because he's got to do that. I mean, it's not his fault, the lad, but it cost a club record of £40 million. It cost twice as much as anybody else that we've ever had, twice as much as Almiron and twice as much as, as Wilson. And for that amount of money, he's got to score more goals than the six he's got over two seasons in the Premier League. There's absolutely no question about that. I'm just hoping that perhaps when he watched the way the penalty was taken, when he saw it back for himself, the way he struck it, and uh, the reaction of people delighted that he struck it that way, that he'll start shooting that way, um, because then he's got a chance of at least um, increasing the number of goals he does. He's never going to be prolific, never has been, never will be, but he can increase the total, and that would be a help. So let's hope we see some of... Uh, that sort of shooting against Sheffield United. Next season is his year, John. I can't wait to get back into the press box, sitting next to you, watching Joe Linton knocking the goals in. It's going to be a wonderful moment. Well, it, it, it would be an incredible moment because it would be incredible. I mean, what you were saying to start with is what I'm honestly believing will happen. And by the way, when I have a little smile about Joe Linton, I would be absolutely thrilled for Big Joe to be knocking all the goals in because we need somebody at Newcastle United to, to uh, 
that's capable of doing that. But I think you don't change the habit of a lifetime. And um, he is not a natural finisher. And when you've sat watching finishes at Newcastle, who are natural finishers, be it Shearer, be it Supermac, be it Warjackie, be it Pop Robson, be it Andy Cole, be it Les Ferdinand, all natural finishers. Um, this guy isn't one of them. I'm not certain what he is position-wise, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him win a penalty, take it, and finish the penalty like that. One day I might actually see him score a hat-trick, and that would be uh, that would be lovely. I'd settle for that for the opening day of next season, sitting next to you and watching um, a hat-trick. I think we might get nine-tenths of that, mate, but the tenth bit might just be beyond us all. <laughs> um, let's get your score prediction then for Wednesday evening against Sheffield United how do you see it going yeah well we, we've got to say that Newcastle will win this one because they they have forget about Everton Everton is, is one of the great reasons why Newcastle will win it because do you think a team that's bottom of the league that's uh, deservedly bottom of the league that that's broken every record uh, possible this season is going to win two successive away games. Uh, no, I think not. I think this is... My only unease is that Newcastle find it a bit of a huff and a puff and, and, and just scrape it. But um, I think they'll win uh, and will win relatively comfortable, but I'll just settle for 2-0 rather than it being 4 or 5 simply because I think they'll batten down the hatches and try to keep it tight at the back wall and have a pop of those um, so we could counter-attack them. That would be perfect, and that could be 4-0. But if they play it the way I expect them to play it, I think it'll be 2-0. And we'll finish with your message to those lucky 10,000 supporters who have got a ticket for the game. What do you want to say to those? I just want to say enjoy it. You may as well. You may well have forgotten what it's like to be live at a game of football with your passion, watching the side you care about it. You're a lucky 10,000 tonight because everybody that wants to see the game, including a lot of freshmen, still cannot do that. Uh, enjoy it. I pray for you that you are welcomed back in the way you ought to be welcomed back with a display like you saw against Leicester or Man City in defeat. If Newcastle play anything like they did in those two games, you'll be welcomed back with a, with a victory against Sheffield United. And then we can all go down to Fulham, see Newcastle get another result and then pray for a miracle in the summer that, uh, that we might have even a new owner and that we do much better in the transfer market than we did um, a year ago in the summer when we got Wilson, thank goodness, but did very poorly after that. And um, let's start with optimism next season, not pessimism, expecting it to be the same again. But uh, look at you, enjoy the hour and a half plus uh, against Sheffield United and please let it, let it be a victory so that you go home saying, I, I have missed that and boy, will I be back next season. Yeah, very envious of everyone who's heading in there. But like you say, hopefully next season we can have 52,000 at St. James's Park watching your cast United. 
We'll have John back on later in the week to preview the last game of the season, which of course is Fulham away. But if you type in Gibbles Corner into your podcast provider, you can find all the latest episodes of Gibbles Corner, the series that me and John do looking back on some of the untold stories of John's career um, through relationships made with Newcastle United, some legends, some not so, but some great tales. The latest one is United Behind the Headlines. Um, there's a great story about Lauren Robert taking issue with something that was written in the Chronicle, pinning a journalist up against the wall in the press room. I'll not spoil the story for you, but do search it. United Behind the Headlines, that one is called. It's a really good listener. We do see so ourselves. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning into this episode. Please head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news.